Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I am one half of Wannabe Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hi! <laughs> oh. Um, I managed to... We were discussing illnesses before we started recording here, and I managed to get out of PAX Unplugged without ConCrud, without anything else. Yay! <laughs> I made wow. it through the year. That's impressive. I went to two two big conventions and managed to to get by both of them. So knock on wood, we'll see what happens. But yes, I'm Craig Campbell. Um, I am the owner of Nerdburger Games, and I also make role playing games. And that voice you hear from the uh, from the ether is a uh, returning guest, Sean. Hello, Sean. Welcome. Hey, aboard. how's how's it going, everybody? It's going. How are you? Um, pretty good. Sean, we asked, "How are you? Who are you?" <laughs> who am i i am uh uh i am um i, uh, I always said one <laughs> fourth but i think we're bigger than that now uh i am some fraction of uh nerdy city and uh co-creator of such uh uh legendary hits as uh rememorex and command droids rpg nasty uh and the upcoming holomatics um towering you know, everybody heard of them. Massive, legendary titles in the industry. <laughs> Not at all indie or tiny at all. No, massive, massive. We're huge. Well, it's quite the coup getting you on the show. Then, yeah, yeah. I know. You don't. You don't, a, you don't do just any old podcast. Well, I'm a. I'm a very powerful man. <laughs> <laughs> My time is valuable. He said, laughing. Um, <laughs> I can only keep it up so long. Yeah, we do. Like, uh, we do fun little indie games about like. Uh, we've been focusing on, uh, you know, 80s mythology, which I think is a fun way to put it. So uh, transforming robots and space barbarians. And now we're doing uh, new wave uh, fashion doll holograms. <laughs> it's kind of fun because it takes me way, way out of my comfort zone. <laughs> uh, well, today we are we're talking about something that's like kind of up that alley, you know, when it comes to. 80s stuff we often think about like that 80s tech well we're talking about our, our our intersection of technology and gming for our first segment of the day and i i'm excited to talk about this i have some opinions about technology um it depends <laughs> on the day i have variable opinions on technology some days some days i i'm like mm, let's go back to the caves let's <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm right there with you yeah it, it it sort of depends on what the tech is and why it's doing what it's doing and some days i'm like oh man let's go back to the caves and other days and this i find even more frustrating are the days when i find myself like why can't we just go back to like i don't know 2006 like there's certain programs where like they've updated it you know, to the point of complete mm -hmm. uselessness, but like maybe like five or 10 years ago, it was great for GMing. <laughs> Not that I'm looking at iTunes or anything, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely looking at iTunes. <clears throat> um, it's so funny that you mentioned 2006 because I've been playing Neopets again and <laughs> technology wow. there. Like, so like I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about some of my earliest role playing experiences, which were online and via forum gaming um online uh and i had always really enjoyed that and technology for me has kind of always been a part of my role-playing game experience um because that that's where i started we would do play by post or like play by 
they had this thing called Neomail on Neopets, and I would play on Neopets, um, like, when it, starting in, like, fifth grade. So this is, like, real. I was really young. Um, and uh, it would be, like, a little LARP, almost, that we'd just be we doing uh, by post um, with not a lot of structure, not a lot of rules. Um, but the technology was really assistive in the fact that, I mean, I think that, that it, it helps in a lot of ways to be to have this um mask of technology you're behind a screen it helps in a lot of ways to help you like picture the everything that's going on because you don't also see a person in front of you who might have to get up and go to the bathroom who might have to like do all this other stuff who's probably talking at you out of character no everything's like basically in character on these forums um and that was like my first ever experience um i didn't even think about how how it's like technology incorporated like my earliest role-playing games I had a really bit like every time like somebody asked me like what's what's your favorite character that you've ever played which I think is a fairly common question for role players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the answer I give I I have to you know and I I have to give it back to this one character um which is a weird one like cuz I've played tabletop role playing games since the 80s. Um and I've played LARP and I've played you know, every sort of, you know, you, you name it. But, like, the character I felt like for a while I had, like, the most, like, emotional connection to and that I fell in love with was I wound up getting involved in a role-playing guild in Warcraft around, like, uh, 2011, 20, 2012, 2013. And I was playing an undead warlock um and my wife was playing an undead rogue and we were playing them and we had this elaborate story that we'd built and this huge like and it was all role playing um and so i think that's part of the way that i managed to sort of stay into that game for so long like you know the grinding and all that of it like a lot of people burn out but since for us it was like this heavy heavy role playing experience and like that grinding stuff was all very secondary um, and playing these characters was such a massive part of it. Um, and uh, like down to even like coming up with his voice, which was based off of the Professor Brothers, which was like one of those uh, early uh, Internet cartoons. So, yeah, he's, he's like really high and he's trying to just get everything around me. I, I got an idea. Like and it was so much fun to just be this little old weirdo who desperately wanted to fix everything and 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 couldn't and it was so strange to me that like for for me to have like my favorite character coming from such an alien place not from the tabletop or from LARP but from this completely other type of role-playing that was very new to me but I still like I it was very strange because yeah again a a completely alien forum for role-playing as far as I was concerned. Well, I think that that's like where technology can really come into things. When when you use technology well as a GM, you can really facilitate some of these role playing situations. And I've seen I've seen a lot of it work really really well, and I've seen it not work so well. Um one of the places that I find that like using tech as a GM has been very helpful for me has been in the virtual tabletop scene. Um I I've used a couple of them. Um I'm curious, like, like, cause I've used roll 20, roll 20 is okay. Um, you know, it, it has its limitations, but it, it can be really cool in some ways. I've also used, oh gosh, what is it called? 
Oh, I can't remember, but there's another one that has like, oh, I can't remember the name Fantasy of it. Grounds. I haven't used Fantasy Grounds. What's Fantasy Grounds? Um, That one I've used one time and found it like ununderstandable, but I'm also a 51-year-old and it was my first time using that and I had only used Roll20 a couple of times and all of this virtual tabletop stuff scares me. Well, if you're if you're trying to use the virtual tabletop and you don't understand how the tech works, it's going to get in the way. That's going to become like a barrier. If you were spending time and not being able to make it seamless and integrated, like really actually integrated within um, the the gaming, of course, it's going to like be first of all, it's going to be frustrating. You're not going to have fun with it. You're going to think, oh, why don't why aren't we just doing this in person? Like, obviously, that's not, you know, that's not a an option for everybody um oh the fo- forge i think is the one i was thinking of i mean once you once you like master them i'm sure that they can be super super cool um because you can have like all the displays you can you can show the people the maps you can you can send people private messages really seamlessly um you can incorporate things like recording like you can record your sessions you can put in music put in sound effects like all of these things that can kind of enhance the experience to be a little bit more cinematic but um yeah i mean okay to get a little technical here there's something called the technology integration matrix which we use in education and i think i think that this would be a super super useful tool for gms who are using technology in their games to um, adapt. I would love to see this adapted for GMs. Um, it's called the technology integration matrix, and it's about like how we implement and integrate technology into our classrooms. But I think being a teacher is the same thing as being a GM. Um, it sounds like a sci-fi MacGuffin. It's, it sounds like something that <laughs> might as well just call it phlebotinum. <laughs> right. But no, I think I think it like it is a it's a tool to help you be more intentional with your technology use because if you're just using it to use it it's gonna it's gonna suck it's it's gonna suck a little bit i think as as a from from looking at it from a gm point of view that that as a watchword is if you're going to integrate um technology into a game or utilize technology at the heart of a game like with a virtual tabletop um i think you know being intentional about it is kind of important like the gm needs to kind of come in knowing okay we're going to use this thing and either i or one of the players needs to know the technology really well and be able to teach other people how to use it so that we don't get bogged down in the minutia of trying to make the technology work for us um because you know we we all know about games uh we've all experienced games that have gotten sidetracked for various reasons and they can get sidetracked by like the roommates home and starting to you know try to have a conversation with people or if you've got (laughs) kids running around and they you know sometimes like the kids need attention and that can sidetrack um and uh you know you you run into the the potential with you know people receiving phone calls and and seeing texts and other stuff that they're doing on their phone and like any of that is, is fine you can have all of that stuff happening around you and you can have technology being part of the game um, or being at the center of it but we definitely need to know how to know how to use it so i mean that's my my biggest advice to gms as far as um when it comes to like anything that's more complex than just like oh we're going to text a little bit during the game that's how we'll send notes mm. you know or whatever um um is to to kind of keep that in mind and make sure that it becomes a useful tool, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't become a central figure of what you're doing because you're spending so much time trying to figure something out. 
Unless that's a core mechanic. <laughs> the core mechanic is how we can't use the virtual tabletop. That's a whole game. We can talk about that in the designing. Section. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, <laughs> I think I'm curious about what this this uh, what do you call a technology uh, matrix? Yeah, of, uh, it's, of leadership. Uh, it's it's just like a it's it's a matrix full of like here's like your adaptation level, your integration level, your infusion level, like how how is technology being used in the classroom? What are the teachers doing? What are the students doing? So this is like um, a chart. Yeah, it's like a, it's a chart. Mm. It's a chart. It's a matrix chart. Um, and yeah, I just think it's 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 useful to kind of pinpoint where you're at and where like where do you want to be if you are using tech? Like if you are a solely online GM, that is an entire like I think that there should be tools out there for that. And I know that there are people who are solely online GMs. There are a lot of professional GMs who are only online, right? Yeah, now. I think that's uh, I mean, so ever since COVID, that's been sort of my primary source of income um, is uh, running games. And luckily for me, most of my games have sort of moved offline since then, but I still have one that I've been doing. It's been going on for, wow, almost two, three years um, where all of the players are Canadian. And so uh, that's a hell of a commute. Uh, so we do it <laughs> online. We do it over Discord. Um, the two biggest hurdles that I ran into, um, uh, for those of you that, that don't know, um, the game that you know we're running remember x the game that i wrote uh and a huge part of that game and in and, and i guess what is a technology threshold there is that first of all the game uses an opening credit sequence that's a very big part of the game um so and you know it can be anything it, it can be like you know you could just play the opening credits from charles in charge if you want uh but i do a much more elaborate you know like designed for the players their names come up like they're actors in this show you know <clears throat> that kind of thing um put little like every time the opening credits comes up there's like little hints about what's going to be happening in the game and that kind of thing uh and i wanted a way that i could convey that to them um and a huge uh roadblock that we hit is that uh you know all, all of this like i'm cutting it together from stuff that i found on youtube and downloaded through incredibly dubious means and it's easy enough for me to show that to my friends but it's a lot harder to show that to people in another country so we had to figure out a way to sort of send that video without it getting blocked for copyright you know because i use a lot of like you know little snippets of 80s commercials and 80s tv shows in there um but uh what we figured out was, uh, and I probably should, you know, go advertising this too loudly, but we figured out that if we uh, send it through the Discord chat, uh, it somehow dodges that bullet. Um, <laughs> and the other solution. The, dis the disclaimer is totally do not do that. Do not do what he's talking about. But if you do, do it, it'll uh, totally no. work. Yeah, it'll work, which is why you should not do that. But yeah, absolutely do not use Discord. Do not uh, file, uh, the mark the file as unlisted on YouTube and then send it through discord. That's a no, no. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, cause God forbid Viacom doesn't get the extra 0 0.03 cents that they're going to get from it. Um, and then the other one is, uh, you know, background music, which is also a critical part of any game that I run. Um, and the way that I do that online and the only way I've been able to do, cause like, 
I find it incredibly hard to do online gaming with background music so that like if I'm talking you know there's right. music in the background and then I stop mm -hmm. talking you can hear the music in the background you know that's really really hard to find yeah. in my experience uh, I found a program called loopback that'll do that um, it ain't cheap but it works uh, otherwise yeah like you know people are like they were people were like trying to set me up with like an entire twitch stream and all this other like astoundingly complicated nonsense to the to do this <laughs> relatively simple thing yeah i mean that's that's one of the nice things about having a good like integrative virtual tabletop is that like they will have the tools typically will have the tools like oh you can play the music then you have your sound recording through um the problem is a lot of people's like setups cannot handle all of that at once um when it's, it's in person too like using the tech in person like playing the background music can be its own distractor for people like me um, i can't handle that that's a good note for gms too if you're going to start integrating these things playing online is talk to your players and find out what their systems are capable of um oh, because yeah, you don't you don't want to run into a player that's like real shy about the fact that they've got like you know a very old computer and it doesn't have a the processing power to handle some things and you're you're, you're doing this stuff for everybody and everybody seems to be enjoying it and they're just kind of playing along because they feel bad that they don't want to quash somebody else's fun um so you know like get that get that have that conversation beforehand yeah that's i think it's important to do that it's important to set it up and like have the expectations craig you had mentioned too earlier like the technology the personal technology that's not part of the game can be extremely distracting to people too people have their phones on them and people get distracted by their phones so often it's so much easier than getting distracted by like i don't know a book or a tech deck or something like that. I like specifically, you... I specifically created uh, what I think is going to be the mechanic that is going to be written on my grave. Uh, my my best mechanic was specifically designed as an anti phone thing, um, which is the tracking error, um, where uh, if the players split up, rather than having like one group of players suddenly like go onto their phones and play like you know whatever video game or start texting. Um, the uh the group that is not present has the ability to throw tracking errors which are like weird little curveballs um at the players the, the example i always give is like uh if uh the group group splits up right and like half of them are investigating the reservoir and half of them are investigating the scary biker bar um the kids in the biker bar are walking in and then one of the reservoir kids picks up a giant pile of dice drops it and goes tracking error um, and I wanted to utilize the ritual of role playing. And part of that ritual is that if somebody picks up like a handful of dice and drops it, everybody looks at that person no matter what they're doing. So you're rolling all of these dice, not for number, but for sound. So when the dice all get rolled, everybody looks at that person. You say tracking error. Um, Julie bumps into the, uh, the, uh, the jukebox and the record scratches. Now everybody's looking at her. And that mechanic is sort of designed to keep the reservoir kids involved in the game rather than on their phones during that period that they're not technically doing anything. It gives them agency still within the story, actually a lot more than they have with their characters during that period. I'm curious how, um, cause there's a lot of mechanics that are out there and I've been talking to some um, people about this too, that are hard to replicate or even impossible to replicate 
in the tabletop, like the virtual tabletop scene? How do you do that when you're playing these games remotely? Um, so you're talking about uh, uh, for like a, a tracking error? Yeah. How do you uh, how do you replicate the oh I just dumped a bunch of dice on the table? Well, in 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 uh, when I'm doing it online, the way that I've been handling that with uh, with my groups is they just say tracking error rather than that. Or I'll even have like if people are getting really squirrely about it, they will dump a giant pile of dice onto their desk and hold their mic up to it so we hear it go. Or uh, I've also had um, in one game uh, that I was doing, you know, like when my primary game was online because of COVID. Um, one of the players who really knew how to set up Discord actually set us up with a button that would play the sound of dice rolling whenever somebody did a tracking error. So we just hear that that sound effect go off. Um, but you know, at, at its lowest tech, you can just say tracking error without doing the thing. But it doesn't quite have the same punch of I don't know. Ever since uh, since playing. Um, uh, shadow run somebody picking up like a handful of like two dozen dice and rolling it I, I don't know it always seems to get everybody else's attention whether they know that that person is actually rolling those dice or not that it's it's so i i love an online dice roller but there are so many games out there that i just feel like are impossible to gm with with that kind of technique like how would you play dread how do you play dread online with uh like is there a virtual Jenga tower that we can all share? Like, how does this? I've been work? wondering about Dread myself. Actually, I, I, somebody asked me about Dread online. I'm like, I don't know how the hell you do it. Yeah. I think the uh, the the answer I gave, which wasn't great, was that like the GM, <clears throat> sorry, the GM pulls all the little, uh, you know, the 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 player points out the block they want to pull, but the GM actually pulls the blocks. But that's still not. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's the, not same, the same, you know. Craig, do you get any uh, any tips and tricks for when the tech's just not teching for your game? When the when the what? <laughs> when the tech isn't teching. Do you have any, have you ever teching. had any of those moments? Because I know, like you've run your playtest and stuff. Like I've been on one of your playtests before that was online. Like how? Uh, well, I mean, I, I I do run into the you know where something if you're using a particular video chat and like it it doesn't like to play nice with multiple players and you might you know something freezes up or one person freezes and, and it keeps happening you know you one thing you know that's having a backup plan you know even if it's you know you restart or the person rejoins the group or whatever or just trying other service you know other services other um, technology that can get you there because we we do live in a world where if you can think of something that technology does there's 20 of it yeah. Um. Um. It, at varying capacities of of uh, capability and varying, uh, you know, user friendly interfaces and various costs. Um. And so you can probably even find at least a few that are like within your budget or free outright that'll do the job enough, you know, or well enough for you to, you know, maybe keep in mind like having a something in the back. Like you know, Sean, him, Sean, him, you, you yourself said, you know, using this. Um, this this uh, app for you know having the background music playing rather than fiddling around with a whole bunch of Twitch stream stuff um, to do all that because it's just like well this thing does it I'm willing to pay that money makes it, it makes my life simpler I don't have to learn all this other stuff we don't have to manage that I can just do this thing that I've figured out how to do um, 
And then you keep doing that until that thing becomes too expensive or ceases to exist or, you know, whatever. Um, and then you have to, you know, shake it up and find something else. So, um, and because technology is always changing, you know, you as the GM, and this goes for really all the players when you're all kind of talking, but the GM often, as we, as we have talked about, um, often has to kind of spearhead a lot of this sort of stuff is, you know, looking at what the new technology is like, will this new thing that came out, will this, will this do the job better? Everybody remember COVID before COVID when nobody knew what zoom was. (laughs) And everybody you know who's probably the most Skype? fired person in the world. Yeah, I was going to say whoever was in charge of Skype and dropped that ball. Holy crap! That's that's they the really joke. Did. That's the joke I saw a year, and it still rings true today. The, the 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 tweet that I saw, you know, a year into COVID, where somebody somebody posted, um, you know, how did it go? Like Skype Skype had every Skype had what was it? Skype had it all in place, and it in six months later, um zoom ate its lunch like yeah just, it's like, showed insane. up and just like, ate its lunch because they scaled up and they figured out what everybody was looking for and needing and they made it all happen and now zoom is like you know we're using zoom right now um i mean skype was the original verb for what we're doing we are yeah, skyping now, and yeah like, i don't, it was like I don't skype with anybody or I, I zoom with people now yeah, yeah. it changed yeah <laughs> that's so, crazy yeah, it's like from Somebody's the technology so standpoint fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's worth looking, you know, just kind of keeping keeping an eye out for that and 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 letting the, you know, telling the players, say, "Hey, like, you know, if you hear of something that's going to do this thing better than what we're using, let me know. Let's try it out." Um and keep up to speed on that. Whether, you know, that can be dice rollers, that could be um, you know, like little little apps that you can get or particular websites that you can go to that are just easier to use for those types of things. Um there's some that are you know, you sit there and want to type in, I'm going to roll these dice, ticket, 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 ticket. And there might be another thing that's like a website that's just buttons that like that's much faster. Everybody keeps moving faster or people have on, if you're all cool with the honor system, everybody puts this free app on their phone and you clicky, clicky and you do it on your phone and everybody just tells the truth. Um, and maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah. I, I, terms, I mean, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that when when it comes to like that technology, like playing in other people's games make trying to see what they're doing asking them what they're doing too um i think that's much more helpful than hoping that your regular virtual tabletop is gonna handle it all because when it does come down to it your roll 20s your your whatever they are going to make their system in a way that's the cheapest for them that they can make the most money off of and that will cater to the largest group which is going to be D, which is not going to work for all of your games yep <laughs> yeah that's a that's a weird thing so um I, I was noticing that with uh like my earlier games i was like a lot of people were like let's do it on roll 20 and i'm like why and they're like well it's got all these battle maps and uh you know miniatures and all this other stuff and you know and i'm like okay so the game that i'm running uses only six-sided dice i don't need a battle map like i i don't need ten thousand battle maps of like craggy mountains i need a battle map if i'm going to use a battle map i need a battle map of a suburban downtown you know with like an arcade and a gas station and you know (laughs) the miniatures don't really help me either because i don't need dwarves and elves i need 13 year old kids and government agents so like none of that really like holds up um right but the one thing I think where technology has really come through in a cool way, right, is, um, and this is something that I've been kind of fascinated to watch, um, is that uh, it is allowing for, uh, you know, and I got to 
give tech its due, it's allowing for me to do what I do now. Like there would be no way for Nerdy City or Rememorex to exist without print on demand. Um, and like it's allowed for this like sort of renaissance in indie gaming that uh, you know would not otherwise exist. And that is not limited to us. That's something that I've recently learned that is fascinating. So one of the things that I got to do that was really cool is in Commandroids, um, there's a whole section of like crazy weapons for your giant robots, right? Um, so you can have like gravity guns and, and laser pistols and like uh, crystal swords for your like cool robot character. Um, so we reached out to some artists, but like weirdly enough, once again, it's one of these things where everything in this industry is geared towards Dungeons and Dragons. So every time we were looking for artists, it was like, well, here's a dragon and here's a girl and here's a girl with a dragon and here's a different girl and here's a different dragon. And we like, can you do a DeLorean? What's that? All right. <laughs> so we'd have to find somebody <laughs> that could do what we were trying to do. And eventually I realized there's this one guy that like, because you know these toys are also like very much my hobby uh was in like one of the hobby groups that i found online who did um he did 3d printing of like and he would just share for free these stls of various like things he'd come up with just for fun like you know uh here's a boom box for your transformers you know or something like that and we're like so we've invented all these crazy weapons in this game can you make 3D printing files, and we'll just use those as the illustrations, and anybody that wants to can download these weapons for the characters, and sure enough, I have like, right here, this is, that's the gravity gun from Commandroids. He's showing us a gun. I, I have a, I'm, We're I'm in a podcast. It's a little mini gun. Yeah, it's it's a very gun, cute. And then it's I very have, cute, and it apparently does gravity things. I have uh, I have Megatron here, and the best part of it is... Hold it. You can hold it so I can Sweet. actually like <laughs> set it up so Megatron can have a gravity gun. And, you know, I thought that was a really cool little bit of technology that I wasn't prepared for when I wrote that game. But that like this, it, but it really shows this like this indie revolution is also happening in the toy world. Right. And so and like you said, yeah, it's happening a lot of places. It's happening in like if you can think yeah. of, if you can think of any creative endeavor, it's it's there. There's people that are publishing poetry and and short stories and novels and things, and there's people that are putting out digital art that they you know couldn't couldn't distribute their art before. Short couldn't films get it couldn't sell it to people. Do short film, yeah, exactly. Just anything, yeah, you name it. People that are, you know, Aloy Lasanta, a member of the IGDN, friend of ours, um, is making albums. He also makes RPGs. He's been doing that for years, but for the last few years, he's also been doing music because like there's like the technology is at his fingertips to be able to put out music and get it into people's hands without having to press a record and send it to a radio station. Well, I love the fact that like we can work together on that too, so that I've got like, you know, in my role-playing game, I have this toy that I can make. And frankly, all I've really wanted this whole time was my own action figures. So I'm that much closer. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and it's a weird thing. I do sort of reach out when I'm at, uh, when I'm at, you know, the, cause we can, that's the nice thing about doing like these, these games that are based uh, on, you know, these sort of toyetic concepts is that we, we have other conventions we could go to. And so occasionally I'll reach out to somebody who's like an indie toy designer and be like, 
if we wanted to do toys based on this game, how we, and, you know, so we're slowly moving into that area. Like it's, it's, and, and, and again, I think that that's something that is only possible because of the technology. Otherwise there would be no way that we could be like, Hey, Hasbro, like, <laughs> yeah, like an no action way. figure of my dude. Not like, that you want to be yet. getting in bed with him anyway. Anyway, no. nice segue. Go. Yeah. yeah you, for we real. all know the news. Um, nice segue into uh, designing with technology in mind where you're, you know, Sean is utilizing um, toy product, you know, toy production, indie toy production tech to enhance uh, things for their game their games um, in, in ways that, you know, the, the hardcore fans can get on board and they can get these, these files and they can 3d print things for themselves and all sorts of cool stuff. And there's, there's a lot to be done with that. And I'm, I'm interested to see what everyone has to say about um, designing with technology in mind, because there's been um, a few things in rolling around my head um, that um, I've been tinkering with, and I've just never quite pulled the trigger on yet. And some of, you know, some of that has to do with like, um, designing things, you know, very heavily based around, um, technology that we utilize on a relatively regular basis. I mean, I have, I have two games in mind that I feel like exemplify designing with tech in mind, not just designing it with like, oh, people might play my game online. No, it is designed with a specific kind of technology in mind that is doing something with the game that you could not do without technology. Um, so the first game I'm thinking of is Alice is Missing. Alice is Missing is a game by Renegade Games, uh, Renegade Game Studios. I don't remember the full name, Renegade. Um, and it is a game that you play completely via texting or like a group chat and individual chats. You do not talk to each other. You play the entire game just via texting. And it is meant to create this idea like, oh, we are distant from each other we we are in a you could play it together sitting in a room or you could play it uh separately um and i i think that that is is a good way to leverage technology to complement a theme to complement the mechanics and to make an experience that you couldn't do in a traditional like that you couldn't do in the 80s for example yeah. And that one, that one got me thinking quite a bit because, you know, speaking as Jess did about the theme that you could play that game sitting around a table with, with everybody, you could play it in a noisy convention, but you could also play it quietly alone in your house via text. And it, I think it probably, the game probably hits better on an, on an emotional level when there's the isolation that's involved in that because it is, uh, you know, built the, 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 what the game is about is built around, you know, something kind of, of sad and emotional. Um, and so the isolation of the experience probably heightens that sort because I've heard numerous people say they played that game and it was unlike emotionally, it was unlike any game they've ever played. Right. The other game, completely different, com completely different theme, completely different tone is this Discord has ghosts in it by Will Jobst. Jobst? Sorry, Will. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Will. <laughs> you pronounced it's it both ways, so. I feel like I've heard it both ways. And yeah. Adam is was Adam Vast the co-creator. I know that they've made games together before. I don't want to say it wrong. But this Discord has ghosts in it. Yeah, it's by World Champ Game Co. So um uh it is a game where you are it's meant to be played on Discord where all of the ghosts are um you have to do it via the the audio chat. 
and or all the investigators had to do audio chat only and all the ghosts can only communicate via, via the texting so it uses it's integrating the technology of discord specifically to facilitate this game and to have an experience where again you could not do this kind of game without the technology it would not exist without that um and uh i know that this one has had a lot of uh, you know it's it's won some awards and all of that um and i think like it's 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 just a new way to incorporate that. And going back to that matrix I was talking about before, if you are intentionally designing with technology in mind and you took a look at that matrix, like part of that matrix talks about like, oh, the students, again, we can pretend the students are the players. Um, the students are doing things. They are collaborating in ways that are unconventional and that you would not be able to do without the assistive technology. Um, and I think that there's a lot of other places we could explore. I'm sure that there are other games that have done this too or similar things. Um, but those are just like the two that really come to mind. Um, and I would put those on required reading for anyone who is planning to design a tech-based game, a modern 2024 tech-based game. 2024. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Good God. Um, it's the first time somebody said it out loud. Hey, cool. <laughs> Um, well, I'm, you know, I'm tinkering with ideas, um, and I'm just going to throw a couple of them out there maybe, and we can talk about like what they might be and, and we can all, we can bounce around to other ones as well. Um, but like the, uh, Alice is missing, got me thinking quite a bit and it, I actually found myself kind of, um, smashing that up with the movie poltergeist because i pull stuff from movies and tv so often um in poltergeist um there's the spirits from beyond they can communicate through the television caroline gets pulled into the other realm she also communicates through the television through technology for whatever reason the tv connects the two realms um and i found myself thinking about like a two-person game played entirely via text which also has this kind of loneliness and isolation aspect to it where one of the players um basically plays themselves or a version a version of themselves um in this world right now um at their current age and the other person plays their childhood imaginary friend who they haven't spoken to in years because they grew up and lost their sense of wonder um but it happens entirely via text so um the the build of this you know the game it, it might be able to be played a few different ways where the imaginary friend is trying to remind them of the sense of wonder that they had and kind of take them, bring them out of a funk. The, the imaginary friend is trying to tell them something that they forgot, like something that something important that they knew as a child that they've kind of forgotten in their life. Um, and it, uh, but, but it, you know, part of it is built around the idea of the texts that are coming in. You know, you have to convince, you have to do enough and say enough to convince the person that you are who you claim to be. Um, with no nefarious purposes behind it. It's not like actually some vile spirit. It's not that kind of poltergeist. <laughs> um, but like the idea of, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm affected quite a bit by stories of lost wonder and lost youth. Um, and, and the things that we lose when we grow up and, and the things that we desperately try to hold on to sometimes and uh, to varying degrees of success. So, you know, that, I don't think that game would work face to face. You'd be looking at the person you'd be seeing. Oh, that's not like this imaginary, you know, that's not a, a, a silver unicorn with a rainbow horn like that. I imagined when I was a kid, but um, 
you know, and it could be, it could be built out of like the person could tell the other player what their imaginary friend was actually like. Um, or you could just invent one too. You don't have to go back and try to mess around with a person's actual fond memories of their imaginary friend. You can invent one. I, yeah, I, I think that using the, like the tech in that could be super cool and creepy in a way. Um, I, I, there's like a big trend for younger people right now that like, and it's like called analog horror, even though it's not like, it's not super analog because they're doing it digitally, but they're recreating this analog type experience for, and for them, it's very creepy. That's, that's where I live is analog horror. Right. Baby. That's, <laughs> that's my jam. That's, that's my whole thing. But the, the fun thing is that they're using like digital, digital recording and digital um, like emission to recreate this kind of experience. I think that that's, it's so interesting. Um, I, I want to go back. Just like I, I forgot that there's one other game that I thought did an amazing thing with tech um, and kind of combines like what Craig was saying, too, like with this idea of like, you know, this is something that is so tangible and something that we can all relate to is like having stickers and having like a collection of stickers. Maybe you get a bunch of stickers like at conventions. It's something that only like really kind of it can exist in the physical realm. But the sticker game, which is by Cassie Mothwin and Joshua Peters is a game that uses that tangible experience but also you have to like listen to these audios that they have as part of the game and complete tasks with it so it's like blends this these two worlds together like this very physical realm where you're putting stickers on a page and you're making things happen as well as this experience that can only happen with this assist like again these this technology um and uh it's I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. Um, and then Craig, okay, ghost hunting is another place that you could go into, like for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah. I I'm on TikTok and all these different spaces. Um, that have like, <laughs> show, there's this. Um, I forget what they call it. It's not really a ghost box, or maybe it is. Like you set up a radio or something that is easily skipping through channels. Oh, the and... EMF is that it? Um, no, no, because they're not reading the MFs. It's like like you literally have this radio that's playing and then it will capture snip. Let me see if I can find the name of it. I think it's called the ghost box. Um, and as you. Yeah, it's called a, it's called a ghost box or a spirit box. And what happens is that it like cycles through different like AM or FM frequencies. And every once in a while, you hear like bits and pieces of like what's going on the radio. And people say like, oh, it's it, it's like you hear someone say things and that's supposed to be like what the ghosts are trying to communicate with you. Like that could be. It's it's like a simple little technology, like a little I don't know all I've seen. I don't know how it works. I don't <laughs> I, can't, I cannot guarantee. Um, but it could be that could be a fun tech piece of play with um especially if you're trying to combine like a paranormal horror with uh like the idea of like oh kind of scratchy radio fuzzy tv ideas you know what i'm saying there's a lot of cool stuff out there <laughs> yeah a radio I, I, with with a frequency scan mode meant to de detect evp and communicate with spirits a ghost box the uh the, the 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 underlying thing of of analog horror and uh uh, a huge part of what I think has become sort of uh, intrinsically tied to analog horror is the concept of the back rooms. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, this this idea of like getting lost in a never ending closed Kmart kind of 
<laughs> and, you know, and it's more complicated than that. And it's also not um, <clears throat> is interesting to me because it's sort of I, I feel like especially analog horror is it's so square in the center of what I feel. And, and, and I spearheaded in everything that I've done for the past eight years is just it's, it's square in the heart of the Gen X fear. Right. As a generation that was raised on television, the scariest thing to me. Um, and I mean, it's still a phobia I have. I, you know, when we get those like Amber alert things that like, you know, in that burnt noise, my heart stops because <laughs> for us, and I think I've said this before, uh, that was, you know, this terrifying message because <laughs> it was still during the cold war. Yeah. So it was this thing that burnt and like, it, you know, they'd say like, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. And that's always a part of it because what it is, is taking this very warm, very friendly. I mean, it's this marketing thing. It's designed to make you feel as much like it's a member of your family as possible. And that's part of the reason that we were allowed to just sit in front of the TV for hours was because our parents were also indoctrinated in the same way. Like the boomers also believe that like, yeah, this is just how you, you know, like you park your kids in front of this and it's going to entertain them and it's going to educate them. And, and that's also true, but it's also going to try and sell them everything. And so all of that's going on. And then this beep comes through and it suddenly this family member reverts to just being a machine. And in this moment, it reverts to just being a machine that is going to tell you whether or not your family, your friends, your pets, the trees outside in the yard, everything you've ever known, especially if you were in a major metropolitan area like New York or L.A. or Chicago or something like that, is about to be completely obliterated without a single crystalline trace of your existence left. Anyway, now back to Thundercats. <laughs> and that was mind-blowingly scary. Um and I think that, you know, this this sort of weird, like, tying back into that, this thing that was like, it could be a caring and nurturing family member that brought comfort, but could just as easily revert back to being something that was simply an alarm system, or worse yet, something that was threatening you because it had been and the, you know that was a major plot point in rememorex was the uh 86 uh uh signal hijack the max headroom uh broadcast in chicago if you don't know what it is look it up it's freaky as hell they never caught the guy um and again like that's not a thing that can kind of really easily happen with modern technology but signal broadcasts could be hijacked back then and the idea of like we're just sort of shooting messages through technology that we don't fully understand and we have no idea who or what is listening from where and how is again terrifying and a really fascinating new angle on cosmic horror that i don't think has been explored as much as maybe it should and I, th I think the all the stuff that you're describing too could be because of the immediate the ease and the immediacy of of communication that we have right now. You could replicate that to an extent in a game that you play online. If you're playing a game online, you could literally have like, okay, we're here on the voice chat, we're doing our thing, yada yada yada, and I as the GM could have. We, you play, you're playing like an end of the world disaster kind of game or something just oh, off the totally, top of my head. Yeah. And then you have um, 
like you, I, I will have prepared either actual audio that I've prepared before the game or that gets like in, we're speaking for as designers, you package this with the game. You make this available for download to use during the game or just text snippets that you have prepped already. And you can interject like in the middle of what everybody's doing. It's like the characters are like, OK, we're trying to figure, and it, you know, they've all got their access to a radio or somebody's got a phone or like some communication comms, comm badge or whatever it is. Right. Some way to communicate. And like they're going about doing their thing, yada, yada, yada. And you could have like a text or an audio signal or something like literally just interject at the most inopportune moment rather than you saying, oh, and but and then this happens that throws you into a panic, blah, blah, blah. You could have it be the literal thing like, you know, Sean was talking about. You could have the eh, 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 that pops up and gives you this incredibly dire warning. Do you heed it? Do you stop everything you're doing right now and prepare yourself for whatever the imminent threat is? Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's somebody hijacking to try to sow fear. Like you could play it so many ways and you could you could with the like I said with the immediacy of of digital communication you could have that happen I I think that that kind of goes back to what I was saying about my early experiences of gaming like you are taking away part of the the layer of like you're you're getting rid of the need for the what do they call it the like you don't you don't need to pretend to believe like you're you're closer to it in actuality this thing is happening to you you're seeing it on the screen you're hearing it whatever instead of having it narrated it and then you imagine it and that uh, is yeah. going to allow more, for like, more immersive right the, the immediacy going, of of fear yeah suspension, like suspension of disbelief is what i was trying to like you're taking one layer of the suspension yeah. of disbelief off and you are then able to kind of create a more rich role play experience to that. You are not yeah. reacting. You're not imagining and then reacting. You are just reacting. Well, that was actually where um, my my opening credits secret weapon came in was because I had set up this routine. We always watch the opening credits and the reasoning is sound like it's, you know, it's it's the sacred arch in Disney. It's the magic circle. We're going into this place where we're in the game zone now. Right. And so there's a very good reason to do it. But if the opening credits are interrupted by an emergency broadcast, people notice. And that's something that you can use. Uh, and I've definitely used that in the past to uh, indicate that, like, yeah, your, your characters are in a very dire situation in this game. I'm only thinking of this from like a horror point of view. And this is the problem that we all like horror yeah. podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, but there are other ways to do it. Like, um, like di this discord has ghosts in it. You're like, yeah, you think ghosts and you think horror. But when I'm thinking of this game, I think of like slapstick and silly. Um, Alice is missing can have a lot of horror elements to it. Like, but it's like this, uh, the idea the theme that you're trying to gather from it is like this theme of disconnection. Um, are you like really thinking about the theme that you want to get out of? So if you're thinking about technology, pick the theme that you want to explore with technology. Maybe it is the horror of technology. Maybe it's about how technology brings you closer together. Maybe it's about how like anything you put online is there forever. Think about that and then build a game around that. And you're going to have a game that really latches on to whatever tech that you're designing around and is going to make it a much more unique and innovative experience which is probably what you want if you are exploring making a technology-based game yeah i agree with that i can't imagine someone like oh i want to do a boring regular boring sorry uh, let me put these judgment words on it i want to do a boring <laughs> old game you know with paper and pencil and stuff like ugh. <laughs> 
don't you want to do a game that's all ones and zeros and you play by yourself in your in a, in a darkened room and everybody else is somewhere else <laughs> yeah that's not great back to horror. <laughs> it's it's reinvigorated thinking about this topic coming up has reinvigorated me looking at some of those ideas i had and i've got like a half dozen of them that was just the imaginary friend one was just one that i had thought of like um and and you know like i, I want to make like a whole bunch of these little ones and and then everything the whole the games are all formatted for your phone that's the only form it comes in um and it's just like this little digital thing that you can have on your phone. You can have that thing available. You can have, you know, if you if you need dice, you can have a dice roller app, uh, and you're ready to roll with you know using whatever tech you can use on your phone. That kind of thing would go bananas on itch. <laughs> um, that that'd be that'd be the first thing that I ever did that went bananas on itch because I got <laughs> zero traction on itch for years. For you know, I just I stopped doing stopped putting stuff up there because I just don't have the t- unfortunately don't have the time to engage in the community the way uh, that would probably benefit me to to uh, to reach more people there. Yeah, I have too. I do too much other stuff. I gotta. I would have to change a lot of what I do in order to have more <laughs> time to put toward <laughs> some of that stuff. That's just me. That's just me complaining that I that I sleep too much. That's a that's a topic for another. <laughs> if I, uh, if I slept less, I'd, I'd I'd be able to get that all done. <laughs> I hear you, Sean. Sean, thanks for <sighs> thanks so much for coming on today. Well, thank you. This is uh, this has been really fun. Tell us where we can learn more about you and find you after this episode's over. Um, I don't have a huge social media presence personally, so I'm just going to send everybody to nerdycity.com. Uh, that's uh, where all of our games are, Commandroids, uh, Rememorex. Um, uh, we're going to be gearing up towards the Kickstarter for Holomatics this year, uh, 2024. Good God. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, um, yeah, I would say, uh, nerdycity.com and also look for nerdy city stuff. So, uh, remember X RPG nasty, um, and, uh, Mandroids on drive through RPG. Uh, you can find me still online at at Joska, various places, or Jess is awful at other various places. I don't know. Look them both up. You'll find them somewhere. <laughs> uh, you can find my games at wannabegames.com and on itch and drive through RPG under the same name. And keep an eye out for the coven of PS13, which is delayed but approaching. I'm sorry. I've been going through some health stuff, and that makes it so I can't do things. <laughs> Uh, and I, uh, you can, um, my website is nerdburgergames.com. Um, you can find me at nerdburgercraig on various social medias. Uh, the games are up at drive through RPG. If you want the fancy hardcover versions of some of the games, you go to the the website for the, to the store for that. Cause I've got stuff sitting in a warehouse that just, uh, is just waiting to be put in a box and get shipped to you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Oh. Yeah, you want that stuff out of a warehouse for sure. <laughs> get it, get it. You want, you want that stuff. It's get, order it. We'll get that it, stuff. It, it would, it would be better in home. You would prefer to be on a shelf with your other game it's books, sad. or at it's your table outside. being played. If by leaving it, if you're cold, they're cold. By leaving, <laughs> by leaving it in the warehouse, you are denying it its existence, its reason for existing. That goes it for any that game. Doesn't make book. you sad? Doesn't that make you sad? You go to so a game sad. store and you see the game, the the, <laughs> the 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 book on the shelf there. That book is sad. That's very very sad. It wants to go home with you. <laughs> this is a new uh, approach, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the guilt, the guilt trip approach. Yeah, the guilt trip humanization approach of books. <laughs> and um, profiles. <laughs> it's the Toy Story approach to game to game sales. <laughs> 
Uh, thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is available by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs. And thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.